Hi, I'm Deb Crow, and welcome to season two of the Heart Centered Leadership Podcast. This is a podcast where we connect, learn, and laugh together with strong leaders from all over the globe. Here, you will learn from peers you haven't even met yet. You will gain new tools to add to your leadership toolbox. Because whether you're a C-suite executive or a first-time entrepreneur, we all contend with challenges and there's always room for improvement if we choose to seek it. So please pull up a chair and listen in. This is the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. Welcome back to Imperfect, the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I was on LinkedIn last week and I'm always looking and finding so many amazing leaders. And I crossed paths with this amazing woman that I want to tell you about. We had a quick call last week, and I was just so happy that she accepted the invitation to be on the show. So let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Gina Guillaume-Joseph. She has quite the technology background. And, and what I love about her is she's a technology executive. She is also deemed as an exceptional systems engineer. She is an author with a demonstrated history of working across multiple industries. And she is skilled in requirement management, analytical skills, systems, and enterprise architecture. She is a professor of systems engineering, advising doctoral candidates within the higher education industry. And she has a strong technical proficiency with a doctor of philosophy focused in systems engineering from George Washington University. So Dr. Gina, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Deb. I'm excited to be here. Well, I was so excited when we chatted last week and you were talking about when you left your role at Capital One, which we're going to talk about, and you shared this beautiful word cloud with me. And let me just go into my first question because it's your story to tell. And I wanted to thank you for sending it to me because it's so beautiful. And it's such a testament of who you are as a heart-centered leader and why I really wanted to have you on the show. So share with us, you've had a, a recent change in, in roles and leadership. So it's, it's more of a, a general question. Would you share with us the story of, of why you chose to leave Capital One and, and pursue some new vocational roles and share the backstory and, and what you were gifted from your Capital One team? Absolutely. Well, I joined two companies during COVID and so did not have the opportunity to meet my teams in person, specifically Capital One. I was there for approximately 18, 19 months during COVID, joined online, joined virtual, and had to build trust and integrity with the team, having never met a single one in person. Hired a team of 18, again, through Zoom, having never met a single person face-to-face. That was you know, quite challenging and difficult to do, but because of just you know, my internal stance on trust and integrity and heart-centered leadership, I was able to transfer that through the wires, through Zoom, through phone calls, through text, through email, 
because I do live the tenets of trust and integrity and communication, putting others first. And I think that yielded great rewards for me when I joined Capital One to be a trusted advisor, to be that person that the team turns to as we built out our scaled agile capabilities and improved our delivery cycle and and ensuring that we were producing the best value for our Capital One associates in IT. Well, and it certainly shone through when you shared the beautiful word cloud with me. And just to give our our viewers a visual, you think of us holding our hands together in the shape of a heart and they put your name, Gina, in the center. And some of the words, again, this is, you have this reverence for creating a culture of trust, like you said, through the wires, the, the virtualness of being able to be authentic. And here are some of the words that you were described as never meeting any of these people in person, which I think is phenomenal. Passionate, listener, kind, intelligent, positive, mentor, smart, funny, motivated, great to work with, authentic, strong. I mean, the list goes on. So what a lovely memento, but what a great demonstration of navigating VUCA and the way that you put the positive slant on VUCA with vision and understanding and clarity and agility. I think it's such a wonderful testament. So I hope you're going to frame that and keep it some, somewhere special. And I'm sure you'll be in touch with these folks for, for years to come. Oh, my goodness. When I tell you during that Zoom goodbye call, I, I cried. I teared up. And not only did they create the word cloud, but they were vo- vocalizing these traits and characteristics that I portrayed to the team. And in the stories behind each one really tugged at my heartstrings. When I tell you, I, I teared up, <laughs> I cried ugly tears. <laughs> and it just made my time at Capital One so much more rewarding and fulfilling that I left a stamp and a mark on an organization whose people I had not, I had not met in person. And I love that. I always call that leader legacy work. It's beautiful. Okay. My second question is fun. We always have a lot of laughs and it has permanent residency on the show. So from season one to where we are today, I've, I've asked over 175 leaders now this question. Share with us what imperfections that Dr. Gina brings to her heart-centered leadership. Oh gosh, imperfections. Wow. Um, I would say the ability to fail. I think that's critical because without failure, there's no, there's no innovation. And I do share that with my team. I always share, you know, my failures, you know, starting out in my career, I thought I wanted to be a pharmacist. I failed miserably (laughs) at that. And that failure helped me to find my passion in technology. And here I am today. And so I'm always open to sharing my failures, sharing my imperfections, letting my mentees understand that the road is not always smooth and easy, 
but it's how you navigate those potholes, the bob wires, the fires, the bombs, the explosions. Those are that those are what's built that what builds character and allows us to continue to progress in our journey. Well, and I think it just speaks to you being that authentic leader that your Capital One team saw of you. When when we can be transparent and authentic, hence the name of the show, there is no perfection. There's no perfect person. It's such an intangible reality. When we can embrace our perfection and have candor and laugh at ourselves. And it's so amazing when I'm working with executives and teams and they're like, really you, the leader? 100%. And you didn't get to that level of leadership without owning those. But it's it's the candor and, and the reverence and the humor where we can have a laugh and say, yeah, we got through that pothole or we made it through that bob wire and we're still okay. But embrace it and use it as a learning moment, I think, is where heart-centered leaders really do this well. Now, my third question, and and I love this, and I've never asked it this direct, but I just feel that I know your answer is going to, it's going to be sitting right there. So my third leadership question is from your vantage point, where you are in your career right now, thinking back to Gina and her first job, whichever that may have been to Dr. Gina now in 2022, what does it mean to lead with heart? Leading with heart is developing a foundation of trust. Because trust really is the key source of people leadership, of leading from behind, leading from the side, leading from the front, leading from the top, leading from the bottom. You've got to instantiate trust. My first job was a camp counselor at 14 years old at the daycare that I had attended as a young child and building trust with my you know, former cohorts. And now I'm a camp counselor. And having to, you know, tell them what to do, be their boss, so to speak of, you know, let's get ready. We're going to the pool. We're doing this. We're going to do this activity. And for them to really jump up and say, okay, Gina, we're, we're doing it to now where I am, you know, 40 plus years later as you know, chief technology officer at Workday, continuing that same trust building ensuring that your team respects and understands that you are with them, you have their back, you will protect them, you will guard them, and you will ensure their growth at any level, I think is just critical. And, and, I, and I think I'm using it since the age of 14, my first job, to now, you know, half a, you know, half a century <laughs> later, it still remains trust is trust is trust. And without it, you don't build relationships, whether they're personal, you know, professional, any type of relationship is built on that tenant of trust. Absolutely. And and you've just segued so beautifully into my next leadership question. I have built a heart-centered leadership model. So if you think of, think of a pyramid, but change the pyramid to a shape of a heart. So the bottom of the heart is the foundation or the prerequisite. That's the heart-centered leadership model. I think once you've solidified that, then it allows you to become that inspirational leader. 
once you're that inspirational, that inclusional, then it goes to being a mindful leader. I think mindful leadership sets the platform for being an assertive leader. An assertive leader sets you up for greatness to become a transformational leader. So my question is, when you get to that level of transformation or visionary leadership, share with us some of the remnants or reverences that you really took from each level, because I think a lot of people see leaders or they see C-suite leaders like you, and they don't realize that it's been a stepping stone for you to gain more tools for your leadership toolkit or arsenal, whatever you want to call it. But all of those come with, with different levels of character traits that you've also had to learn, be transparent, have authentic, whatever it may be. Just share with us your journey from the foundation of heart-centered leadership, like you just beautifully framed it from your first camp counselor role, and, and you've had that as part of your leadership being for a long time since you were a young girl. Share with us the stepping stone to where you are today, which is a transformational visionary leader. Sure. So as a strategic advisor, I go into organizations. So throughout my IT journey, I supported the federal government space through organizations such as Booz Allen and Hamilton, L3 Communications, the MITRE Corp. And as a strategic advisor, my role is to enter uh, some of these uh, organizations, whether it be government, whether it be Capital One, whether it be Workday, and understand their landscape, understand their current problem space, and help develop a solution space. But the solution space now, in order to get to that, you've got to get buy-in. You've got to inspire. You've got to earn trust. You've got to build strong connections with the team. You've got to earn their commitment. And that is part of that, the visionary leadership, the coaching. You've also got to coach the talent, coach the team, and help them to develop key skills that they need in order to move to the, that transformation, to get to that solution, to solve the problem together. And there's that, that co-leadership component as well, because I'm not the know-it-all. I hire or bring on or train the team so that they can also be contributors to the vision, to the final state, to the future state, and that we can all dream together to come to a consensus of what that future state should look like. And that's where you get to that transformation. When you bring the entire team along, you understand their strengths and their weaknesses, and you play on their strengths and, and help them to see that they are a contributing member of the team. Without their contributions, we wouldn't be able to make it to the other side. And so that's, that all, that's, that's all encompassing, the, you know, the, the coaching, the affiliative, the, you know, democratic pace setting, all of that is part of that leadership um, structure. And, and then not forgetting servant leadership, because people are the most important aspects of any priority, of any vision, of any transformation that uh, an, an organization is looking to achieve. 
And so being able to demonstrate all those key aspects of leadership at specific times within the project is critical for a leader. Well, you know, I'm going to love servant leadership because I I think it's one of the top 20 qualities that I have on my heart-centered leadership poster, which I'm going to send to you. And it doesn't mean that we're supposed to have or exude those on a daily basis because things change on a dime. And I hate using this word because it's been so overused, but we have been pivoting for two years and it's being able to transform in the verb sense but having those skills that you alluded to. And when you take your team with you and focus on their strengths and you know their weaknesses, but you stay focused on the strengths, what are you doing at the same time? You're leading and fostering and mentoring a beautiful, healthy, vital culture. It's, it's just a beautiful win-win. It's an equal equation on both sides. So I love that. I'm going to add one more question in here because I would love for you to share what you're doing now that you've moved to Workday. And I'd love the listeners to also get a little introduction to what you're doing at Chief, if you would share that with us. Absolutely. So at Workday, I joined again during COVID about eight weeks ago, and I was selected to be their chief technology for government, the federal space. So leveraging my federal experience, as I alluded to earlier, to assist Workday and understanding the challenges that the federal space um, encounters when it comes to people managing the workforce and how we can then support the migration of the federal government to the cloud. Workday is a cloud product and it's a people management product, human capital management, finance and planning, and being able to support the federal space as they have their you know, cloud transformation imperatives, leverage the capabilities of Workday. We're very early in our journey right now. And I was brought in to, to be an evangelist, so to speak, for Workday and why the Workday solution is a good solution for the government to look at and include as, as part of their portfolio of products and suite of human capital management suite of products. And then tell us a little bit about Chief and what you're doing there. Chief, I was invited to join Chief. New organization, I think it was developed during COVID and to support women in leadership. It's a cohort type style. I've only been a member for about two weeks now. I attended my first talk with Meta's VP of ESG, Ariel, and learned so much and am able to bring that back to, you know, Workday's ESG initiatives and how they want to develop that capability and instantiate uh, those capabilities, the metrics into the product suite. And being able to be part of an organization of women leaders that you can be honest with, that you can be transparent with, that you can learn from, they learn from you and leverage their strong capabilities and, and knowing that you're not alone. You're not alone. You, oftentimes, you know, as women, we're in that room, we're the only woman in the room. But knowing that you have a cohort of other women who are 
going through the same experiences and can share those experiences and can support you in feelings of inadequacy that we often feel, I think is, is huge for us as a collective group of women in the executive ranks. Well, I love the way you frame that. It's we, a lot of times women are alone and it's nice to know that you do have a cohort that you can reach out to and there's that meaningful alignment and it's almost the unspoken word that me too, I know how you're feeling and and just bringing that conversation to fruition and it's with ease because the relatability is there. Yes. So that's exciting. Well, congratulations on both on both uh, your new role at Workday as the CTO. And I'm sure we'll we'll keep in touch to keep talking about some of the initiatives through Chief so we can share that with other phenomenal leaders around the world. I'm going to switch gears now and ask you what I call my fab four. And these are just four random fun questions. We want to see what's sitting on the top of that brilliant mind of yours. First question, tell us something that we don't know about Gina. Something you don't know. I'm a mom, first and foremost. I have three beautiful, amazing, talented, smart daughters who I am also shaping and supporting to be leaders in society in the future. My uh, oldest is at the University of Pittsburgh studying biology with a minor in music theory. Uh, Sarah is 19. Uh, Hannah is a senior in high school. Can't believe it. She is making her decision in a few weeks. May 1 decision day is coming up for her college selection. And then I have an eighth grader rising high school freshman, Rebecca, who is uh, really excited to be heading into high school. We are a close knit family. Uh, We vacation together. We travel the world together. We've gone to several continents together um, so that we can understand how others in the world live, that they can get a different perspective of, you know, Japanese culture or uh, Swiss culture or Panamanian culture and, you know, French culture so that, you know, their worldview expands. They have a full understanding of people in general around the world. I love that answer. So we're, we're both raising heart-centered leaders in the making. I love it. Yes. <laughs> okay. My second question is share with us a book that you've read that you really felt was life-changing or maybe contributed to your leadership style today. I actually am reading Steve Covey, The Speed of Trust. Amazing book. Again, really powerful in terms of how to be that leader, that transformational leader of integrity. And it really resonates with me because, you know, it's, it's reinstantiating those things from when I was 14 and through my career. And now where I am, that it, it really is so necessary. It's absolutely critical. Again, that foundation of trust because of where I am. Now I have more eyes on me. I'm under the microscope. My every movement might be challenged. But if I move on that tenant of trust, then I know that I'm doing the right thing for those around me. Absolutely. And probably one of the most, if not number one, 
quality of heart-centered leadership is, is fostering and mentoring that, like you said, it's every move that you make. Yeah. Verbal, nonverbal, otherwise, all of the above. Yes. Okay. My third question is kind of fun. I'm giving you an invitation to have dinner with any leader in the world. So this leader could be living or this leader could have already passed away. Who is that leader? And what's the dinner conversation? Wow, that's a, that's a good one. Oh my goodness, a leader. Oof, my grandmother's mom, my grandmother's still alive. She's 91 years old. She's the most amazing woman in the world. And, and I want to see where she stems from, what her mom was like. Can you tell me about grandma as a little girl? Because again, grandma is integral in my life. Um, I'm an immigrant. I moved from Haiti at the age of six years old, and it was all at the doing of grandma. In order to have opportunity, we need to, to move from Haiti. We moved during the age of the Duvalier regime. Moving to the U.S. was huge for us. Big change in how and what we do and my future and my kids' future and their kids' kids, just the opportunities that were open up, open to me to be, for, for me to be where I am, I don't think I would have had that still living in Haiti. So I'd, I'd love to understand great grandma's perspective and how she raised such an, a formidable woman as my grandma. It's such an interesting question because I would say 50% of the leaders pick a leader that is still living or someone who's passed and has left a real legacy in the history, or it's been maternal grandparents or great grandparents. So you are in good shared company with that answer. (laughs) And just, you know, we talk, we've been talking about transformation and visionary leadership and your great grandmother had that. And, and she changed the history for her daughter and her daughter's family. And, you know, like, like you just framed it, like she's really impacted for centuries to come a different way of life. And it's just so interesting to, to still have your grandmother and the stories. And she probably never thought she'd see a pandemic at her age. My mother-in-law is 95 And she has said that, like, you look at what they've endured in their life to where we are now, and they're not mesmerized by the pandemic or things going on in Ukraine, but they honestly didn't think they'd see kind of a repeat in history, if you will. So it's such an interesting conversation, but what a, what a beautiful memory. And it would be indeed a nice dinner to have with your great grandma. So you're going to have to just keep having conversations with your own grandma to see what you can collect. Right. Absolutely. And I try to do that at every opportunity. She was here just a few months ago, visiting us in Virginia. She's in Massachusetts. And I did record a snippet of some of those conversations when she was a young woman and how she navigated, um, you know, just being alive then, you know, she wasn't educated because, you know, women weren't generally sent to school, you know, as soon as they were of age, they were out there in the fields or supporting the family with the, with farming and, 
just hearing her stories of how she became an entrepreneur and was able to resell and sell, you know, livestock and farmland. And it's amazing. (laughs) It is, you know, and what they endured and they never had time to complain or be frustrated. It was always first foot forward, keep going, progression, there wasn't time. It's definitely interesting. And and I can relate to that by conversations that I've had with elderly uh, folks in my own family. So just beautiful. Well, I have to say, I'm a big fan of technology. I wouldn't have found you otherwise. So before we close out the show, and I ask you my last question, I just want to say thank you for wanting to be on the show and sharing your time and expertise, but more importantly, sharing your heart and demonstrating how important it is to be a heart-centered leader. I'm so grateful that we've met and I look forward to keeping in touch. Absolutely. Thank you for the invitation to speak today. So I'm going to have you close out the show. My last fun question is just finish this sentence with whichever sitting at the top of your mind and in your heart. Heart-centered leadership is? Supportive. It's kind. It's gentle. It's forceful. It has the ability to transform people, organizations, society, governments. You've been listening to the Heart-Centered Leadership Podcast. I'm Deb Crow. If you like what you heard today, please rate and review the show. And I'd love it if you'd visit my website at debcrow.com, where you can sign up for my newsletter and get access to the Heart-Centered Leadership Toolkit, all free of charge. Thanks for your time, and we'll see you again.